Now, I'm old enough to remember when the president was so powerful and influential that his rhetoric, his mere words, however subtle or clumsy even, could drive people to action. And that a president must choose his words carefully. I remember this. It was, it was not long ago. It was just uh, the last four years. Here we are on Tony Katz today, Wednesday, April 7th, year of our Lord, 2021. Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz. You can listen right here on the Tony Katz radio network, wherever you may be. You can also listen at TonyKatz.com. You can catch up with me, and many of you have on Twitter, at Nation of Jake. I appreciate the follow. I appreciate you hanging out with me as I... Take over for Tony, the righty from the bullpen, in for Tony Katz today. Glad to be with you. Um, so, a president, I've been told, uh, can can really influence people to take action with his words. Uh, you know, whether it was offhanded comments about incorporating disinfectants into some sort of therapy against COVID. People said, wait a second, Donald Trump just told people to drink bleach. He didn't tell people to drink bleach, but somebody may have inferred that drinking bleach or what was the drug? Uh, Hydroxychloroquine. Uh, Oh, people are going to start eating fish tank cleaner. In fact, uh, somebody did. That turned out to be kind of a a bogus story. I think that lady uh, had it in for her husband. And so they ate some fish tank tablets. But yeah, the whole drinking bleach. Oh, all the the white supremacist uh, dog whistles. That were out there. A president must choose his words carefully from 2017 to 2021. That was absolutely true. Everything the president said was so powerful and so influential that we feared people would go out and take action. Now, here we are, just uh, what, uh, three, four months in to the Biden administration. The president can explicitly and purposefully uh, endorse boycotting a state using inflammatory language. Uh, like President Biden does. He, he says these are Jim Crow laws, these uh, voting laws, the ID that's required in the state of Georgia. This is, this is Jim Eagle. If that was Jim Crow, this is Jim Eagle, whatever the hell that means. Uh, using loaded language, calling people racist, and encouraging People to boycott entire states. Yeah, and he's still doing this. He's not backing down from the uh, inflammatory rhetoric of Jim Crow 2.0, which, by the way, we can get into it a little more if you want, but these are entirely reasonable laws. These are election laws. They want to tighten it up, clean it up. They are much more permissive than a lot of states already have. They're on par with with many states, voter ID and early voting uh, uh, rules. So it's, it's not like this is a, is a really restrictive or controversial law, but that's the, that's the tone the president is taking. Uh, in fact, he's, he's simultaneously doubling down on the Jim Crow 2.0, Jim Eagle stuff, while also trying to back away from the idea of of boycotting states. It's it's very odd what this president is doing. 
uh, j- just uh, just days ago, he strongly encouraged Major League Baseball to move the All-Star game. But now, now when asked about the Masters, which takes place this weekend in Augusta, Georgia, at Augusta National, which is in the state of Georgia, by the way, the same Georgia that Atlanta is in. I mean, this is, we're not talking about like the country of Georgia versus the state of Georgia. It's the same place. It's where I am coming to you from now. I live just south of Atlanta. All right? I've, I've, I've been a resident of Atlanta on and off all my life. I've been back and forth and forth and back. But Georgia is home. So I, I, I get the local coverage, the national coverage. Look, Augusta National is in Georgia. Nobody, nobody's saying you know, they should boycott, the PGA should boycott Augusta National. In fact, Joe Biden was asked this yesterday about Augusta National and what what may happen with the Masters tournament this weekend. Do you think the Masters golf tournament should be moved out of Georgia? I think that's up to the the Masters. Look, uh, you know, um, Uh, it is reassuring to see that uh, for-profit operations and businesses are speaking up about how these new Jim Crow laws are just antithetical to who we are. There's another side to it, too. The other side to it, too, is when they, in fact, move out of Georgia, the people who need the help the most, people who are making hourly wages, sometimes get hurt the most. All right, so just days ago, you were all on board for Major League Baseball moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta. You went on record as saying such. Even though your press secretary... Uh, Jen Psaki is saying, you didn't say that. No, you just said it's their decision. No, 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 no. You were full on board. In fact, let's let's take a listen to the press secretary uh, try to spin what Joe Biden had said about the MLB All-Star game. So he was not dictating uh, for what Major League Baseball uh, should do, that, that they should, dictating they should move the All-Star game. Uh, that is, was their decision. They made that decision. And as he stated earlier, he certainly supports that. So he does support the decision to move the game. Well, he he supports them being able to make the decision and respond to what their players uh, act you know asks are given. Many of them are impacted, of course, by these laws. All right. Well, here, here's here's the problem with what she how she just couched that. The players, Major League Baseball, had nothing to do with the decision. The MLBPA, the Players Association, the union, never took a vote, never brought it up to the players. This was corporate pressure. Sponsors, money. These corporate sponsors would be shaken down by the woke mob, and in turn, Major League Baseball made the decision. Now, here's what Joe Biden said on ESPN about the decision or the looming decision, the pressure that was being put on Major League Baseball to move the All Star game. Here's what Joe. Here's what Joe Biden said when asked by Sage Steele of ESPN. What do you think about the possibility that baseball decides to move their all-star game out of Atlanta because of this political issue? I think today's professional athletes are acting incredibly responsibly. I would strongly support them doing that. Okay, look, the athletes had nothing to do with it. Again, and he said, I would strongly support them doing it. That is moving the all-star game out of Atlanta. 
And if you don't think that President Joe Biden's words, his rhetoric, calling it Jim Crow 2.0, if you, if you don't think that had anything to do with Major League Baseball's decision, that political pressure, well, why did Major League Baseball, why did they cite in their statement what, what Joe Biden had said? In fact, we have a, a release from Major League Baseball online, whatever, it's MLBAM, MLB Advanced Media. Uh, it says... The decision comes a little more than a week after the passage of SB 202, a Georgia law that President Joe Biden criticized earlier this week, saying it will restrict voting access for residents of the state. So, yeah, listen, if Donald Trump had so much influence that you were worried that people would drink bleach because he was freewheeling about uh, disinfectants and and whatnot, killing covid, then it follows that the rhetoric that Joe Biden is using right now, calling these perfectly reasonable laws, Jim Crow 2.0, that's inflammatory is what that is, that that had nothing to do with all the Major League Baseball. They they didn't feel the pressure from the president to move things out. It rests on Joe Biden, hurting middle class and minority business owners in Atlanta, and then the idea, this, this idea that maybe, oh, maybe the PGA should look at moving the Masters out of Augusta National. No, no, no. He doesn't want to square that. He, he can't square the two. He wants to use the Jim Crow line because it is, it's powerful. It is. People go, oh, my God, Jim Crow, really? Because people aren't going to read the law. They're going to look at it and go, oh, yeah, well, yeah, Georgia, that's on brand. I mean, all those racists down in Georgia. Now he's saying all oh, the Georgia legislators need to smarten up. They need to smarten up. That's right. That's right. Because we're just a bunch of dumb rubes here in Georgia. In fact, here's what's here's what the kicker is. The Georgia election law, HB 202 or SB, Senate Bill 202 in Georgia, that was just passed. It's it's more permissive with regards to voting than Delaware, where you're from, Mr. Biden. Yeah. So so, you know, I, I, I do not like this idea and he does this all the time with Texas and their Neanderthal thinking. Oh, Georgia, you need to smarten up. You know, don't fall in love with smart. Let states do what works for states. That's what they're supposed to do. That's why they're there. And you're no smarter just because you're in the federal government or you're the president. I don't know that Joe Biden has ever been accused of being smarter than anyone. He has, just like he fell up those stairs on Air Force One the other day. That's on brand. He's been falling up for 40 years in this government. It shows you what is valued in government. Unbelievable. You know, he, wants to, he wants to walk it back while still using the Jim Crow 2.0 line. Because it's a crutch. It's a crutch. It's a misrepresentation. 100%. So Joe Biden also gave us a COVID update. Now, there are some alarming numbers with regards to COVID. It seems like overall things are getting better, but there are certain spots where they might be getting worse. And there are some updates on the, the vaccinations and the plan for vaccination, all the all the goals, you know, 100 vaccinations in 100 days. It was uh, already going to happen. Uh, so now it's going to be, oh, by April 19th, all adults will be eligible for the vaccine. I'll tell you why that is similar to all his other goals and while why Joe Biden 
likes to jump in front of a parade. That's really what it comes down to. We'll also uh, talk about uh, more about this crisis on the border. VP Harris is missing in action once again. And also some some bad news for Ari Castle's favorite director and his favorite film of all time, the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. There are some numbers out on who watched it and how long they made it into that four-hour film. Tons of stuff coming up with your guy Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz Today. After hosting the program yesterday here on Tony Katz Today, I went to the gym. I went to the gym. I had to go straight to it. And after sitting around all day on the computer, making notes, hanging out with you guys for three hours, I had to go toss around some heavy weight because that's what I do. Nation of Jake goes to the gym. Everybody gets out of the way. I say, hey, using that plate? Not anymore. Bring it over here. Throw it on my bar. I'm going to squat it. Let's go. And so while I was squatting these incredibly heavy weights in the gym, impressing all the nice-looking older ladies who work there, I looked up at the TV, and I saw none other than Joe Biden. And I'm, I'm having PTSD from Joe Biden's first press conference. I, I still, I had to listen to that for far too long. But so I, I read it. I just read what he had to say on the closed captions because I was listening to heavy metal and lifting incredibly heavy weights. So I saw Joe Biden and said, hey, things are getting better with regards to the vaccine. I, I think I have a clip here that Joe Biden has bumped up the covid vaccine eligibility. Man, the guy is beating expectations. You know, he said Joe Biden did first hundred days, hundred million vaccines. Well, you're going to blow that out of the water in the first hundred days because we were well on their way to that. And now he says, oh, we're going to have every adult eligible to get the vaccine by April 19th. Is that what he said? March the 11th, I announced that I was opening up all vaccination sites to all adults by May 1st. Mm Mm-hmm. Many governors, Democrats and Republicans, responded and decided to beat that date, which was good. Yes. Thanks to their hard work and the hard work of the American people and the hard work of my team, I'm announcing today that we're moving that date up from May 1st to April 19th nationwide. Wow, nationwide. You know, I good on him for giving credit to the governors out there doing the hard work at the, on the state level. But now by April 19th, Nationwide, all adults will be eligible. Well, as of as of yesterday, April 6th, let's see how many states. Let's see. How many states are there? Still 57? Ari? Ari Castle? 57 states still? 58. 58 states? Oh, did we give statehood to Guam? Did Guam get statehood? Wow. No, of the 50 states, 43 states had already achieved this. You know, and he... He referenced that, that, you know, many states have already beat that deadline of May 1st, but 43 of them on April 6th have already met the all adults are now eligible, the standard. It's, it's amazing. This is what I call, you know, jumping in front of a parade. You know, things that are good that are already happening. I'm going to come out and announce we're going to help make them happen. But they're already happening without you, Joe Biden. You know, citing something that is inevitable or already underway and claiming you're responsible is jumping in front of a parade. He did it with 100 million vaccinations. You know, set the bar real low and we'll blow it out of the water and we'll look really successful. 
You know, it's 19 million jobs over the next 10 years with this infrastructure plan. Well, 16.3 million were already going to be there without your infrastructure plan. Same thing we talked about yesterday. This is this is Joe Biden. It's just, hey, low expectations. The whole campaign with Joe Biden was about low expectations. You know, if if he got up in a debate or up on a stage and and didn't forget who he was and make a, a serious gaffe, then he was way ahead of the game. I mean, that's really what Joe or Joe Biden's been all his life, falling up, you know, uh, uh, benefiting from the low expectations that he has set for himself. You know, he's got this. I'm a scrapper. I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. It's all everything's been against me my whole life. And like the guy, you know, his personal story, he has been through it personally. But I don't know if the guy's had a real job ever. I mean, I think as a junior senator, he's been there forever. But his professional life, his political life has been all about those low expectations. So with regards to COVID, it's the it's actually I think the states I read something some weeks ago about there was one state, West Virginia, that didn't really take any of the federal help on the vaccine. They're like, yeah, we got this. Maybe it's just more manageable in West Virginia. The population is is lower than a lot of other states. They they were doing the best on distributing the vaccine because they didn't have the federal government in their way. People need to get out of their head that the federal government is somehow better just because it's the federal government. The people there aren't any smarter. A lot of grift going on. A lot of duplicate work happening at the federal level. So yeah, when when Joe Biden gets on the old TV while I am just working, lifting those weights that I'm, I'm talking about, Hundreds of pounds of weight in the gym. I I just I just kind of blank out and forget who I am sometimes. More on COVID a little bit later. Some surprising numbers, but they're going to blame it on Florida. They're going to blame it on Governor Ron DeSantis. He's in a spat with sixty minutes. More on that coming up right here with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz today. I've always hated sixty minutes. Always. Before I even knew it was really just leftist goon hour, I hated it because it always signified the end of the weekend. You know, you're, you're wrapping up Sunday. Everything's great. Maybe watch some of your favorite shows on Sunday evening, and you just start hearing that. And you're like, oh, all the fun's over. Hugh Downs is here. God, I hate this. So you have to go and start getting ready for bed. It's all because 60 Minutes came on. It's kind of like a Pavlovian response I have for 60 Minutes. Uh, Here on Tony Katz today, it's Nation of Jake filling in for Tony. Tony should be back, I guess, soon. I don't know. The guy calls me, says, I need you on these days, and then he disappears, and then he, he gives me money. That, that's it's it's fantastic gig for me. I just never know. The guy never explains himself, and I don't. I'm not owed an explanation. I'm not. You know who is owed an explanation is Governor Ron DeSantis as to why this 60 minute hit piece was was produced and aired. All right, now this is this is getting legs. Now this this aired on 60 Minutes uh, just a few days ago, and it, at first it was like, oh, that was selectively edited. Now people are starting to say there might be actual malice involved with this look media bias is real when a reporter lets their own opinions kind of uh, color their reporting 
But when it's selectively edited and there are facts omitted and people not contacted, uh, it's it's pretty damning. And this is starting to work in the favor of Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is a no-nonsense guy. He's the governor of Florida, very tight race in Florida. A lot of people thought that Andrew Gillum fellow was going to be the governor of Florida. Things didn't work out so well in the aftermath. I think he got in some trouble. Um, that said, Ron DeSantis, he, he, he's the kind of straight shooter who does very well. The, the guy that Chris Christie was supposed to be, Ron, Santis, Ron DeSantis, he looks like he could be. And he could be a contender for the presidency in 2024. A lot of people in GOP circles think that. So you might say something like, oh, they're trying to kneecap him before the DeSantis 2024 bus gets going. He's a Republican who really scares people uh, on the, in, the, in the media establishment. And they don't want him anywhere near the nomination in 2024. So they need to destroy him before he becomes too powerful, uh, so to speak. I don't know. That, that's a little bit tinfoil hat for me. But I, I guarantee you that there is a coordinated effort to make this guy look bad. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it. Every time something bad would happen in New York, everybody would shift your attention to Florida and say, oh, no, no, Florida. Look what they're being reckless in Florida. And there's a lot of old people in Florida and Ron DeSantis is going to kill them. But Andrew Cuomo's the one killing old people in New York. Yeah, but Ron DeSantis is the real problem here. He's the real problem down there. So with the 60 minute piece, I mean, if you kind of listen, like we can take a few minutes and we can A, B what was reported versus the unedited full answers given by Ron DeSantis when asked about this this public steal. Like the whole accusation, the whole premise of the 60 Minutes piece was that Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, had engaged in a pay-for-play scandal with the grocery store chain Publix because they got to be a vaccination site. They got to distribute the vaccine earlier than some other outlets. Uh, He explains all of it, uh, but you're going to hear the difference between what was reported versus what was on the the cutting room floor, so to speak. And we're loading the audio now. We we wanted to ask Governor DeSantis about the deal, but he declined our request for an interview. We caught up with him south of Orlando. Publix, as you know, donated $100,000 to your campaign, and then you rewarded them with the exclusive rights to distribute the vaccination in So Palm first Beach. of all, that, what you're saying is wrong. How, how is that not pay to that, play? That's a fake narrative. I met with the county mayor. I met with the administrator. I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said, Here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the Publix. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. But Melissa McKinley, the county commissioner in the Glades, told us the governor never met with her about the Publix deal. The criticism is that it's pay to play, It's wrong. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative, and you don't care about the facts, because obviously I laid it out for you in a way that is irrefutable. And so it's clearly not. Isn't there the nearest Publix? No, no, no. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Yes, sir. That's actually a fact. All right. So it made him look like kind of a jerk. It made him look like he was being defensive. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Uh, next question. I'm not talking to you. And but the the whole thing is the the accusation is that it's pay to play. I was like, who's saying that besides you? 
besides you. That's what journalists will do. That's what the media will do. They'll say, oh, it's out there. It's been said that this is a pay-to-play deal. It's like, by whom? Can you, can you tell me who is saying that besides you pointing at me at this, this presser that you've crashed, by the way? Now, now th- these are the full remarks made, uh, not only in that exchange, but overall when he's explaining what happened with this, this Publix deal. And it doesn't really sound nefarious at all. It doesn't sound like corruption or, or pay for play. Let's listen to the uh, Ron DeSantis cut of the exchange. So first of all, that, what you're saying is wrong. That's, that, that's a fake narrative. So first of all, when we did the, the first pharmacies that had it were CVS and Walgreens, and they had a long-term care mission. So they were going to the long-term care facilities. They got vaccine in the middle of December. They started going to the long-term care facilities the third week of December to do LTCs. So that was their mission. That was very important, and we trusted them to do that. As we got into January, we wanted to expand the distribution points. So, yes, you had the counties. You had some drive through sites. You had hospitals that were doing a lot. But we wanted to get it into communities more. So we reached out to other retail pharmacies, Publix, Walmart. Obviously, CVS and Walgreens had to finish that mission. And we said, we're going we're gonna to use you as soon as you're done with that. For the Publix... They were the first one to raise their hand, say they were ready to go. And you know what? We did it on a trial basis. I had three counties. I actually showed up that weekend and talked to seniors across four different publics. How was the experience? Is this good? Should you think this is a way to go? And it was 100% positive. So we expanded it, and then folks liked it. And I can tell you, if you look at a place like Palm Beach County, they were kind of struggling at first in terms of the senior numbers. I went, I met with the county mayor, I met with the administrator, I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said, here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites, we can give more to hospitals, we can do the publics, we can do this. They calculated that 90% of their seniors live within a mile and a half of a Publix, and they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. So we did that, and what ended up happening was, you had 65 Publix in Palm Beach. Palm Beach is one of the biggest counties, one of the most elderly counties We've done almost 75% of the seniors in Palm Beach. And the reason is because you had the strong retail footprint. So our uh, way has been multifaceted. It has worked. And we're also now very much expanding CVS and Walgreens now that they've completed the long term. So it, does, it doesn't sound like like the guy is engaged in any corruption. Now, by, by the way, he is, he is giving all this information. There's no notes. There's no teleprompter. There's nothing. The guy is, is as direct and he did, he did lay it out as irrefutably as he could, uh, given, you know, he was ambushed. I mean, he was at some sort of airport. He wasn't, he wasn't there to talk about this or to be ambushed by a 60 Minutes reporter. But they, they left 90% of that out. All, all they wanted to do was, was plant this idea that the guy's corrupt. And, and honestly, I don't know how they legally get away with that. I know that the bar is very high to establish... Uh, that, that 60 Minutes uh, acted um, uh, criminally or, or uh, negligently or, or maliciously. Uh, that, that's sad. I mean, because he's a, he's a public figure. And, and so, again, they, they have a lot of latitude with what they can put on. But when you listen to it back to back like that, I mean, I think that Ron DeSantis could sue the hell out of him uh, for, for defamation. Now, it, it seems like that to me. In fact, 
you know, we went over it a little bit yesterday, but more and more uh, Democrats in Florida are coming out saying, no, man, listen, this is a, a pandemic. We've had to work together across the aisle. We've got a Republican governor and he's actually done a great job. There was one uh, state emergency management director, Jared Moskowitz. They, they tried to contact him and they did. Uh, they, they said they couldn't get him for the deadline. But he said, oh, this story about pay for play. He straight up said it is BS. Uh, he, he didn't use the acronym. He just said no. He tweeted out. He's like, this is this is complete BS. He says, I did speak with 60 Minutes. Uh, never said I didn't. They were very nice. But I told them that the public story was BS. Walked them through the whole process. The fact that I didn't sit down on camera because he's responding to a 100-year emergency doesn't change the truth. So you have bipartisan support for Ron DeSantis, who is is doing, I guess, a decent job doing as, as well as he can, uh, fighting a, a, a pandemic in Florida. Uh, and, and look, there's no one way to go about this. And again, this is why I'm such a proponent of federalism and states doing what works for them. Right now, uh, with regards to COVID and, and the, the, uh, the cases uh, that are out there, uh, there's, a, there's a headline today you're going to see, and it, it says that 44%, almost half of all new COVID cases are coming from just five states. Well, what are those states? Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, and Florida. Five different states who have all handled it very differently. Uh, the, the Michigan, they had lockdown after lockdown. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer, is that her name? Up there, the governor of Michigan, uh, draconian measures, uh, big time lockdowns. There were there were big protests about how strict the lockdowns were in Michigan. You had people fleeing Michigan because they were so uh, adamant about locking it all down. Uh, in Florida, Ron DeSantis has tried to take a more measured approach. As you could hear him, listen, I, I like the way the guy speaks. He's very direct. He doesn't he doesn't take it from anybody, and I and I like that about him. Uh, again, I, I I need to get to know him a little bit more, but but this kind of stuff, sixty minutes, people already distrust the media. They already distrust them, and so if when you're going to do this kind of stuff, this is going to work in that guy's favor. All this stuff seems to backfire because uh, as, as much as I hate the right left thing, uh, the left specifically uh, they they always overplay that hand, and I think it's hilarious. They always do that, you know, go over this guy, and it's like well. Um, when the facts come out, you're going to look like an idiot and it's going to work in his favor. Now they're accusing Governor Ron DeSantis of milking it. Imagine that. 60 Minutes, you know, one of the most venerable news magazine shows with Hugh Downs. Oh, I'm Maury Schaefer, uh, whatever his name was. Uh, they, they, they go out and do something like this, go out of their way to try to make the guy look bad. And then when you push back on them, oh, you're milking it now. You're milking it. We're 60 Minutes. Yeah, we're CBS. We're we're above reproach. People aren't buying that anymore. They're not doing it. But because Florida is on the list of of the five states where forty four percent of new cases are coming from, they will they will be lambasted. And Governor Ron DeSantis is is reckless. That's that's what you're going to see. By the way, not on the list, Texas. That's right. Texas is not any epicenter. Yeah, yeah. The same Texas that repealed the mask mandate that just a few weeks ago, uh, Joe Biden was calling Neanderthal thinking. That's right. You got to get smarter down there. Uh, you got you to get smarter. Urgh. Joe Biden. So 
look, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with COVID. I don't know if this is really uh, the end, if there's going to be new strains or, or whatever. But I know that all states are different and they all have to weigh uh, the, the public good with regards to COVID with also uh, economic activity so people don't lose their jobs and starve. And, and I, I think overall, I, I feel like the light at the end of the tunnel is there. I think we're beating this thing, but we can all beat it in different ways and then share information with other states. That's the way it's supposed to work. But but going after the governor of Florida because you don't like him and telling lies about him, that's that's not helpful. In fact, that's that that should be uh, 60 minutes should be taken a task for this. And I don't think Governor Ron DeSantis is milking it at all, uh, at all. But mo- more in a little bit. Uh, not only on on that 60 Minutes report, but also on uh, the, the Jim Crow 2.0 laws with, with Joe Biden. Also, we've got uh, an update on the Minneapolis, former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin and uh, that trial that's going on and the crisis on the southern border. But I do want to touch on something we, we talked about yesterday. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, the four-hour cut that was on HBO Max, Here's the thing about these streaming services. They know how many people watched it and they know how many people finished it. And the numbers, they're not pretty. Ari Castle's not going to like these numbers. We'll go over those next with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz today. You know, you can get people to pay good money to go see a movie. If you got a good sizzle trailer, yeah, they'll go pay their 10 bucks, 12 bucks, 15 bucks at the movie theater, and then you got them. People don't often get up in the middle of movies and theaters and walk out because you feel like I paid the money. I got to watch it. I, I got I've invested in this. Well, most people aren't going to go see a four hour movie. But people, if it's on their TV, they might give it a try. That's what happened with Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder cut, the uh, the controversial Snyder cut. Now, look. Zack Snyder was hired to do the movie. He couldn't finish the movie because of family tragedy. I I do not fault him for not finishing the film. But if this was the film he was going to deliver, a four-hour, dark, brooding movie with murders and F-bombs, it would have never made it to theaters. But when people watch it at home on HBO Max, here's a double-edged sword. Sure, you can get 2.2 million people to watch it. That's impressive. 2.2 million people punched up on HBO Max the Snyder Cut of Justice League. How many people sat through the whole thing? The number? 36%. Now, the headline will tell you less than half of people made it through the movie. But really, that's just over a third. It's not even close, really, to half. That's a third. Like, that's not good. What do you expect? It's a four-hour movie, but honestly, I'll watch a four-hour movie is compelling. I mean, some of the decisions made in that film I don't mean to bag on Zack Snyder. He's probably a nice guy. He's probably a nicer guy than Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, by all accounts, is a creep. But Zack Snyder, come on, man. I don't need a five-minute sequence of the Flash running in slow motion. Why would you even put the Flash in slow motion? I get it. Like, it, he's the Flash. Barry Allen. So, yeah, uh, less than half people could even finish that, sit through. I fell asleep twice. I finished it. I mean, it took me a while, but I did. Ari Castle watched it twice. He can eight true. hours in that. He watched it twice in a row. He did not. <laughs> Coming up, crisis on the border. Where is Vice President and Border Czar Kamala Harris? Where is she? Nowhere to be found. Uh, what's going on on the border? And why should we be concerned about it? It's coming up next with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz Today.
Got an update on the Derek Chauvin trial happening in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The former police officer there in Minneapolis, of course, videotaped with his knee on the neck of George Floyd. That video and then the delayed prosecution of the officer touched off a summer full of riots, fires, civil unrest, protests as well. We'll get an update on what is going on in the trial. Is is what we're hearing about it actually what's happening in the trial? And are we being set up for more riots? Hopefully not. Uh, I don't want to see anything like that. I really didn't want to see anything like I saw in that video with Derek Chauvin. That was uh, horrific. And I hope justice prevails in that case. Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on this Wednesday, April 7th, Year of Our Lord 2021. Uh, TonyKatz.com. You can also contact the program by phone if you'd like. You know, fewer and fewer people are even using the phone. It's all text. It's all Twitter. But if you want to call, 833-GOT-TONY is the number. 833-GOT-TONY. Also, uh, Twitter is probably the best way to get me in this situation. If you want to holler at me. And a few of you have. uh, Some people, you you agree with me about the, the Zack Snyder Cut of Justice League. Some of you agree with me about Bitcoin. Uh, Others... Uh, disagree. We may get into the mean tweets a little bit later in the program. Uh, the Masters is this week. Uh, will the state of Georgia uh, be a factor with the Masters? Will the PGA make any kind of statements about holding the Masters tournament at Augusta National? Uh, we will dive into that also. An update on old Tiger Woods and that car crash uh, last month. What contributed to the car crash that uh, may have ended Tiger Woods' career with uh, the grisly leg injury he suffered. Uh, But one of the persistent topics in the news is the crisis on the southern border. We went over it uh, somewhat in depth yesterday. I pointed out that the border czar, Vice President Harris, Kamala Harris is in charge of what is going on on the southern border, yet she hasn't made any remarks there have been no press conferences she hasn't unveiled any kind of plans she's been largely absent now in the two weeks since she was given this high profile assignment hey crisis at the southern border old vp kamala harris waiting in the wings this is your stage it is set here's the podium have at it she has not uh, had at it Yet, uh, there's really nothing going on other than uh, an influx, a five-fold influx of migrants uh, year after year. You know, you, you look you look the year-over-year numbers, uh, March of 2020, 34,000 migrants were at the southern border. March of 2021, uh, they're, they're estimating 171,000. Now, something happened. Between March of 2020 and March of 2021, they sure there was an election. There were some executive orders that were repealed. A message was sent to folks south of the border to come on up here. In fact, I think Joe Biden said it. I think that he actually told all those from Mexico and Honduras and Guatemala and all those places, Central America to come on up. Come on up. Make the trek. We got you. We're not going to we're not going to send you home. 
Uh, so, that, so a lot of people are coming up, and and now we've got this uh, video that has surfaced of a young migrant boy. Uh, he says he was abandoned after uh, entering the country. I guess this video was was taken by border patrol officials. Let's let's see if we can't take a take a listen to what he has to say. He might be speaking in Espanol. I'm not sure. Here he goes. He's just wandering in the Texas desert. Border Patrol gets out of the car. Start asking him. Huh? Okay, listen. He's, they're, they're speaking in Spanish, so it's, it's not... He's asking for help. Um, he, he's been abandoned. He doesn't know where his people are. He's alone. He's like, they left me. They left you by yourself, kid? Oh, you're not traveling with your mom, dad, or anybody? You're all alone? Are you traveling with your papa and mama? No, no, I was with a group to turn myself in, and then they left me. So I'm just, these are the things happening now that that Joe Biden said happened under Donald Trump, if you recall, you know, kids being left in the the desert to starve and to be dehydrated. Um, That that actually didn't happen under Donald Trump. From what I remember, uh, they were talking about they... They gathered these kids up and they put them in these migrant youth facilities that they used to call cages. They used to call them cages. Now they call them migrant youth facilities. And and then they were sent home. They were put on a plane. And getting on a plane for the first time is thrilling. I, I love my first plane ride. Um, uh, I'm sure that these kids, uh, it's, it's probably fun to fly for the first time, but but not back to the, the garbage country uh, from whence you came. But you know what? That is, that is the reality of it. I mean, that's what you have to do. You just can't let everybody in. And, and especially you can't keep them in the migrant youth facilities if you're Donald Trump because then you left kids in cages. Well, well, guess what happened to this this young boy? Again, it's, it's, it's hard to watch. And, and my heart goes out to these folks who are just looking for a better life. Uh, but this young boy is, is left because somebody sent the message to his parents or to him that everything would be great if he just came over. Just come on in. But then he was left and he's crying. He's in the middle of the desert. Uh, he was then uh, taken by border agents to a shelter, which you cannot call a cage. He was taken to a shelter where he was uh, presumably ID'd, given a wristband, wrapped up in uh, one of those foil blankets like a baked potato, and then kind of ushered in with all the rest of the kids who were there. Uh, and it's, 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 it's unsettling to, to see. Uh, you, you, again, I mean, there were, there were no photos of AOC uh, screaming outside a fence at an empty parking lot like Sarah Connor from T2, if you recall that scene where she's on the outside of the cage during the the, the explosion. Uh, there, there's nothing like that uh, this time around because uh, they just want to divert the attention away. No, no, no. No, we we can't have the media in here. Wait, do you, you, no, we, okay, fine. You can come in, take some photos, but get out of here because this, this looks bad for us. In fact... Uh, Kamala Harris, the borders are, she's really not not doing much either with regards to that. Uh, hopefully, this young man will be reunited with his folks. And again, look, I'm, I'm not heartless. Uh, you know, I, I, can, I can't imagine, you know, living in a place where I, you're, it's, it's, it's poverty, there's no opportunity. Uh, the, anybody who would make the trek from a place like Honduras and walk all the way up through Mexico or hitchhike or put their kids in a van with a coyote, uh, it's got to be pretty bad where you are. Uh, I, I just don't know 
what the solution is to these countries with with the, the the problems that they have. It can't be just come up here and there's no incentive to, to fix the the country's uh, infrastructure or their or their uh, their way of life. Uh, you know, if you're if you're dealing with drug cartels, you're dealing with uh, storms. Hurricanes, like the lack of infrastructure, when you get hit hard by storms, your, your house blows down. It's it's pretty awful. And I can only imagine how awful it would have to be for somebody to take that kind of risk. Well, what we need is a system by which we can we can take people in on guest worker programs or whatever it is, whatever the solution is. It has to be uniform. It has to be also uh, sane and reasonable and rational, but at the same time being compassionate. But you can't just open up the border and let everybody in. And then people have the expectation that they will get health care and they'll be fed all by the federal government. We, we have a hard enough time providing those things to the people who are here, uh, citizens of the United States. It just can't be an open border. Uh, we, we, that, that ship has sailed, unfortunately. Uh, again, I, I brought it up yesterday. And there are a lot of studies on this, like how this all became. And it used to be just a seasonal deal. Like Joe Biden says, oh, this is seasonal. No, it used to be seasonal. It used to be. There was a magnet. There was seasonal work. People would come up. They would work. They would go home. Then you sealed off the border. They had to make a decision. Do I, do I stay here or do I stay home? If I stay home, I'm going to starve and maybe get caught up in a drug war or I, I could go to the United States and kind of uh, live in the shadows. But at least I could still work and I can eat. Maybe it'll be better for my kids. I, I'm, I'm telling you, if I'm in that situation, that's a decision I'm making all day. I do not blame anybody from south of the border for wanting to be here instead of there. All day long. But the problem is, is the, the magnet that is here, it, it's got to be more of a, a revolving door and not not some sort of force field. It's it's gotta but the government is not good at that. Government is not good at being flexible. The government is not good about working around what comes naturally. The government is force. That's what the government is. In there it's big and dumb and slow. Somebody smarter. Somebody with a little bit of foresight so it has to fix this problem. And those people, they're just not in the government right now. And then they haven't been for a long, long time. They haven't. Because, again, it's force, 100%. Force. Uh, okay, in a little bit, there's a reality show that I, I'm kind of thinking about signing up for. I think that Ari Castle and I, it's kind of like an amazing race kind of thing, Ari. I think we should sign up together and form a team. Would you want to be on a team with me? Uh, maybe. You kind of already are. Whether you like it or not, but this is this is going to be great. We, you know what? I'm going to a couple of things I need you to do uh, for the rest of the program. I need you to work on getting Zach Snyder on the phone so we could talk about the Snyder cut because I know he would love to talk about it here on Tony Katz today. So if you could maybe just like uh, text Zach Snyder and and book him as a guest for the third hour, that would be great. And also, I need you to get us signed up for this reality show. I'm going to tell you about it in a few minutes. All right, so that's that's your assignment for the rest of the program, Ari. But uh, we are going to get some updates on this uh, trial that's going on in Minneapolis. Uh, Derek Chauvin, who has been charged uh, in the death of George Floyd, 
Uh, what what has transpired yesterday today? How is this being covered? And are we are we just getting it set up for more unrest and riots in the streets? Uh, God, I hope not. But we will get caught up on the Derek Chauvin trial coming up next with Nation of Jake here on Tony Katz today. Hey, Ari, has Justice League director Zack Snyder texted you back yet about getting on the program today? Uh, no, he FaceTimed me, though, and said he that did? He, he FaceTimed you? He said is he he's coming busy. on? He's busy. Oh, my God. He's working on the six-hour cut. Ari, come on. You're letting me down here. Hey, hey by the way, while you're at it, uh, while you're texting Zack Snyder, maybe uh, shoot a text over to Tiger Woods so we can ask him about what happened in that car crash. There's um, a report out. There's a report about uh, what may have caused... Tiger Woods' car crash, but I'd rather hear it directly from Tiger. So super producer Ari Castle will reach out to Tiger Woods or, or his people to see if he can come on the program and tell us about what happened. Uh, we, we'll get into that in a little bit, as well as uh, the Masters gets underway. I believe the first round will be tomorrow. They do Thursday to Sunday, I believe. Uh, things Sometimes there's some deviation from that, but usually not with the, uh, the hallowed, revered Masters Tournament in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, going on right now is the trial of officer, former Minneapolis police officer uh, Derek Chauvin. Uh, is that, have we agreed on how we're going to say his name? If he were like a composer, he'd be Chauvin. And maybe that's how he pronounces it. I've only read his name. I've never heard it said. We'll go with Chauvin. How about that? Chauvin and the Chipmunks. Uh, Derek Chauvin who was the officer uh, caught on video with his knee on the neck of George Floyd, um, leading to the death, at least in parts, depending on who you talk to, in the death of George Floyd, which touched off all those protests and, and riots uh, throughout the summer last year. Uh, he is on trial now. Now, what's going on in the trial? And listen, man, we grew up on all these these movies, these courtroom dramas, you know, watching Law & Order it, trials are not like that. And if you're watching a trial, just get ready for some very procedural and dry television. Uh, I don't I don't watch trials. Um, you know, I might watch some highlights if something happens, something compelling happens. But there are people who sit there and watch a trial and they'll watch it beginning to end. And, they, and they've got some insights, some interesting insights in it. Uh, he is charged, is Derek Chauvin, with second degree murder third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter in the death of George Floyd. Now, you know, watching the video and looking at it, it's it's very easy to say there's no reason that the officer should have had his knee on that man's neck for eight or nine minutes or whatever it was. Uh, and, the, and that undoubtedly, at least in my mind, uh, contributed to his death, if not was the main cause. Um, first-degree murder would have been overcharging, um, I, again, was it racially motivated? I, I, I think I think that there's more to the story because these two guys knew each other. I think George Floyd was a, a bouncer or a bar back in a in a bar or club where Derek Chauvin moonlighted as a security guard uh, while he was still uh, an officer there in Minneapolis. So I think these guys had a history. Um, it's it's tough in a trial because the the standard is reasonable doubt. Like when you when you see what happened, when you see it on video, and, and that video is, is blasted out on social media and there's a lot of outrage, and rightfully so, um, you're you're only seeing the the one piece of evidence. 
Uh, there could have been procedural things. Was was Derek Chauvin trained to restrain somebody with a knee on the neck? Uh, there was a, a excessive force expert that said, no, that's not how Minneapolis uh, uh, police officers are trained, and he shouldn't have done that. He should have known better. But those are the headlines we're seeing. And I, and I, I fear that we're going to see a lot of headlines about the prosecution and the witnesses in the prosecution and as people read these headlines, these top line uh, uh, statements, uh, they will start to form an opinion and the defense will not be covered as uh, vigilantly. And all they need is reasonable doubt here. You know, there, there does not need to be any kind of like clear and convincing evidence or, or and you, you are innocent until proven guilty in this country. Last I checked, um, I, I think that the way. The trial is covered is going to be a lot more consequential than the trial itself with regards to maybe any aftermath. And there's a lot of people already saying, hey, you're setting this up for riots. Well, a couple of notes, things that I think are interesting about the trial is uh, there was a gentleman, a friend of George Floyd in the car with him when they were stopped by Minneapolis police. His name was Maurice Hall. He was in the car and he is refusing to testify. He is pleading the Fifth Amendment he has that right, the, the right not to incriminate himself. Uh, but, but people are speculating, well, was he the guy who, who gave George Floyd the fentanyl, which may have contributed to his death? I mean, he had a lethal dose of fentanyl in his system at the time, which, which I mean, you, it's hard to argue that it didn't contribute to his death. Fentanyl is a very dangerous drug. And there was, I think, a guy in the Twin Cities, St. Paul in, in Minneapolis, who was convicted of second or third degree murder for giving somebody fentanyl. So I guess there's a statute there. There's precedent that says uh, if you give somebody fentanyl, you could be charged with murder. So how, how can you, you charge both guys to say, so it could be a, a, a mitigating circumstance. And also um, excessive force experts, uh, their testimony is that he used excessive force. So again, how it's being covered could be more consequential in the aftermath. I, I hope everything is calm. I hope justice is served. Coming up, the reality show that Ari and I will go on, and also the Masters, what's going to happen with these restrictive voter, Georgia voting laws. Coming up next on Tony Katz Today. Hopefully, Tiger Woods will join the program soon. We have reached out to his people. Ari Castle is confident that Tiger Woods will tell us all about the car crash that has perhaps ended his career uh, from last month. Oh, high speed, they're saying, was a factor, as is in most car crashes. Ari, you let me know when Mr. Eldrick Woods wants to join the program. People aren't going to will... get that joke. What? People aren't going to get the run, the recurring joke we're doing. What are you talking about? You, you Didn't you call Tiger Woods? No, I did not. You didn't? Okay, well, listen, you, you are one of the best in the business, and I know you've got a lot of clout, and you've got a really fat Rolodex. That's right. I'm sure that you know somebody who knows somebody who can get Tiger Woods on the program. So, yeah, they're saying now, uh, Tiger Woods' uh, excessive speed contributed to his his car crash. So he, he, will, he will not be playing in the Masters this weekend uh, in Augusta National. If there even is a Masters, who knows? Maybe the day out, maybe they will feel the pressure. Maybe the PGA is going to feel the pressure. And even though all the golfers are already there, you know, walking the course, doing the pro-am, doing all the all the, the pre-Masters festivities, well, maybe they'll just move it somewhere. 
you know, maybe they'll just move it out. Maybe they'll move to Colorado. You know, you got it might be a little cold there. Maybe move it down to Florida. No, no, Ron DeSantis is the governor there. They can't move it there. Things are too restrictive on all these all these red states. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, that said, uh, here on Tony Cassidy with Nation of Jake filling in, we, we are kind of exploring uh, this, this idea that um, sporting events should, should think twice about doing business in these states with restrictive voting laws, namely Georgia. That's the, the big story that, is, that has been going on, going on with the All-Star Game moving out of Atlanta to Colorado because of Georgia's Senate bill. SB 202, which just really cleans up and tightens up some voter ID uh, rules in the state. I mean, I don't, I don't find them overly restrictive. But, but any time that you talk about voter ID, um, you know, tightening uh, down the rules for voting, everybody calls it racist. In fact, you know, you got Joe Biden calling it Jim Crow 2.0. But when, when asked about the Masters tournament, which is going on here. Old Joe Biden had this to say. Do you think the Masters golf tournament should be moved out of Georgia? I think that's up to the, uh, the Masters. Look, uh, you know, um, it is reassuring to see that uh, for-profit operations and businesses are speaking up about how these new Jim Crow laws are just antithetical to who we are. And just uh, these these new Jim Crow laws, he, he says it so matter-of-factly, like everybody agrees all this stuff is racist. They're just these new Jim Crow laws. It's it's uh, gaslighting is what this is. It's It's not right for him to use that kind of language, that loaded inflammatory rhetoric because Jim Crow laws are pretty awful. Um, expecting people in this country who may be black or Hispanic, uh, expecting them to be able to be smart enough and have access to uh, licenses, <laughs> which in the state of Georgia, uh, a state ID card is free if, if you didn't know. Um Expecting them to know where the DMV is, um, you know that 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 is somehow way out of line for you. I mean, I don't know what it's the it's the soft bigotry of lowered expectations, and I know you've probably heard that a lot uh, from Tony on Tony Cassidy. That's something that we very much agree on. Is when you when you try to uh, to to talk about this, when you actually you know get the logic out there, you are you are saying that minorities are less than. We, we couldn't possibly expect a black person to know where the DMV is or, or how to get a license. No, we couldn't do that. I mean, why would... In fact, well, there, there's a video going on, a viral video, uh, TikTok, at Politics James on TikTok, where he goes around to people and he's asking them if these laws are racist and why they're racist, why it's racist to require an ID. And so he goes up to, to white people and says, why, why do you think expecting minorities to get an ID or them being able to is racist? And then, and then he talks to some, some black folks about he asks the very same question. So just check out, check out really what, what lies beneath the surface when you talk to people about who think that these, uh, these laws are, are racist. 
Do you have an opinion on voter ID laws? Uh, yeah, they're usually pretty racist. I think voter ID laws are a way to perpetuate racism. Would you go as far as to say they're, they're, those laws are racist? For sure. Do you think it suppresses the uh, African-American vote? Definitely. Uh, because they're less likely to have state IDs. These type of people don't live in areas with easy access to DMVs or other places where they can get identification. Do you think that's harder for black people to go online? Well, I feel like they don't have the knowledge of how of like how it works. Do you carry ID? Yes. All right, now, now he's talking to a, a, an African-American woman. All right, right right here he switches. And so he's asking this African-American woman if, if she has an ID. And then he goes and talks to black people about the idea, just the very assumption that they don't know how to get an ID. And they're looking at him like, what? Here we go. Oh, of like how it works. Do you carry ID? Yes, I do. Do you know anybody, who, any black person who doesn't carry ID? No. Do you have ID? Yes. Because I have my ID and my friends have their ID. So like, we know what we need to carry around. Everybody that I know have ID. Like, that's one of the things you need to walk around with New York with. I heard a lot also that uh, black people can't figure out how to get to the DMV. Really? Is that, is that, what does that say to you? I know it's that. It's on 25th Street. Do you know where the ID, the, the DMV is right now? It's on 125th Street and 3rd Avenue, I believe. Yeah, so these guys, you know, these, these are capable people who happen to be black. And they're looking at this guy like, what are you talking about? Of course I know where the DMV is. I'm a full-grown adult human. I can feed myself. I actually have a job. Like, but it's not this guy who's asking the questions who thinks this. He's parroting what these, these uh, white liberal folks are talking about. So what's, what's more racist? You know, treating someone who is a minority, uh, who is black as, a, as an equal, as a capable human, and expect them to be able to go out uh, and get an ID? Or is it more racist to think uh, these, these people, they live in places and they're not able Joe Biden himself, the president of the United States, uh, alluded to, uh, you know, black and Hispanic people not being able to use the Internet, not knowing how to use the Internet. It's 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 unbelievably racist to. To treat people, infantilize people. Oh, my God, no. Minorities can't possibly know where the DMV is. They can't they can't go out and get and get IDs. So it's it's kind of sickening, but but again, it's it's a soft bigotry. It's like oh yeah, just don't, it's these 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 poor people. They just need to be coddled. They are they are less than. Oh, it's gross is what it is. But look, Joe Biden himself said, if the masters wants to move, well, that's up to the masters. Which, by the way, that's that's probably the wrong choice of words when we're talking about racism. <laughs> Leave it up to the masters. Well, they've been calling the shots forever. And, and that's that's actually another argument. People think that the masters should change its name. Look, the masters is called the masters because it's a reference to being a master golfer, a master at your craft. Only the best can win that green jacket. If you win the green jacket, you have mastered the game of golf. Nothing to do with a master-slave relationship. And, and here's the thing about it, though. If you do think these Georgia voting laws are so restrictive and so racist, I implore you, if you are a member at Augusta National, like, say, Rob Manfred of Major League Baseball, the commissioner is, give it up. No, no. If you are so dedicated to fighting racism, 
and moving the All-Star game out of Georgia because Georgia is an unfit place to host the Major League Baseball All-Star game, then you, as the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, man blinded by the light, you, you must give up your membership at Augusta National because they also operate in the state of Georgia where you find the laws to be racist. You have to. It doesn't follow that you could be a member there. Oh, that would that would require what? Personal sacrifice on your part. And you're not gone debt. Not gone debt. Not this juncture. Not ever. He's not going to do it. Uh, and when we talk about golf, really, I'm just stalling this whole time to see if Ari Castle has contacted Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods got a big wreck last month. And, and now they, I saw the headline. They're going to release the findings, the investigation into Tiger Woods' car crash. And what they gave me was excessive speed contributed to it. Uh, it was first published on NoCrap.com. Uh, pretty much all serious car accidents are a result, at least somewhat, at excessive speed. Now, there's, there's, no, there's no report whether there was any kind of substance in his system. I, I don't think that he was uh, guilty of DUI. He was not cited for DUI. Uh, they said, we, we don't know if he was a distracted driver. But was he texting was he making TikTok videos? Was he FaceTiming? What was he doing? We just know that excessive speed was a contributing factor, as it has to be in 99.999%. So, so thank you, uh, Auto Forensics uh, Department of Transportation. Whoever did that investigation, uh, you did a fine job. Doing a hell of a job. All right. Co- coming up, look, I've never been on a reality show. I've never really wanted to be on a reality show. Uh, most reality shows you go on, you either get embarrassed or dirty. You know, so like Survivor, uh, Naked and Afraid. I never want to be on Naked and Afraid. And chigger bites in your nether region. But this, I think, could be a good uh, team up, uh, a good crossover for producer Ari Cashel and I. And I'd like him, in addition to trying to get Zack Snyder and Tiger Woods on the phone, uh, look into signing us up for this new reality adventure, which will take you to infinity and beyond. That is coming up right here with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz today. Space. The final frontier. Space Force. I got a blank space, baby. I'll write your name. Sissy Spacek. Kevin Spacey. And now we've got Space Hero. And we got a reality show that will be set, not in space, but in a camp. Like space camp is what it's going to be. This is going to be a reality show that I believe that uh, Nation of Jake and Ari Castle should try to get on. The winner of the reality show gets to go where? To space. That's right. That's where we are in 2021. We are not just going to send people all over the world in an amazing race. We are just going to send them to space. The winner of the reality show gets launched into space. My God, that sounds horrifying. But there's a reality show that's in pre-production now called Space Hero. And now what they want to do is they want to make space cool, which I already thought space was pretty cool. Think about it. I mean, there are some people who say space is totally fake and there is no outer space and it's all staged. And then Buzz Aldrin Punched a guy for insinuating that. But as space flight opportunities open up to more people who aren't professional astronauts, uh, 
the space industry, which is largely insular and, and elite, <laughs> it's because it costs tens of thousands of dollars to go to space, uh, will need to find ways to make space travel appealing to the public. That's right. They want to mainstream space travel. Uh, the show takes on a reality TV format with 24 contestants competing for the grand prize of being launched into space to the International Space Station. I don't know about you, but that is terrifying. And we talked yesterday about horror movies can't be set in space, and I immediately just said Event Horizon. After the program, uh, yesterday, I, I mentioned that to my wife. And I said, hey, you ever see Event Horizon? And she looked at me uh, in absolute terror. Like, why'd you bring that movie up? That movie gave me nightmares from 1997 to 2001. And now you've reminded me of it. And I've tried to block it out. And now I'm going to have nightmares again. 24 contestants from all over the world will live in a space village during the filming of the show, which plans to feature space technologies developed by dozens of nations with space agencies. I'm guessing anti-gravity. I'm guessing they'll get some Dippin' Dots ice cream of the future. How long is Dippin' Dots going to call themselves ice cream of the future? I love them, but freeze-dried ice cream is, is not futuristic, not even a little bit. The competition will focus on testing. And now, this is important, Ari Castle. If you sign us up for this, just be warned. It's going to test the participants' physical and mental strength in preparation for spaceflight. I would easily beat you. Yeah, right. I would. <laughs> you wouldn't. I can I can bench press more. I can squat more. Is is that the I'm that's taller? The, that's the bar. I'm better looking and I'm I'm mentally more acute. Now, I'll give you that you're stronger and better looking, but you are not mentally True. you are not mentally more acute. Absolutely not, I am. No, you're not. Absolutely I am. I'm, I would I'm quick on my head I would foot. destroy you in a game of Jeopardy. Oh my god, really? You're going to you're going you're going to go there, dude. That's that's not a that's not a good challenge for you. I'm amazing at trivia. I uh, there, you're I, I'm so overconfident. Uh, I, listen, I, I only talk game when I know I have it. All right, buddy. Listen, I know that you were not uh, alive or sentient in the days before Google, and you had everything on your phone. But you know what they called Google before Google was Google? Cave drawings. Jake. They called him Jake. I would get calls. All hours of the night for my brothers, sisters, cousins, whoever it was, uh, to answer trivia questions. That was it. Are these and the, honestly, is this the family when, from Mississippi? That's when Google, you? yeah, Mississippi, oh, okay. Tennessee, right, you're, Georgia, you're not all over the case. dumb South. You're not man. helping your case. All over the all over the dumb South. Listen, we didn't, we weren't all shut-ins bowling in the winter like a bunch of hibernating Wisconsinites. All right, people from Wisconsin. Who's who? Whoever whoever smart came from Wisconsin. Zero people. Uh, the the Zero. guy who the guy who got Apollo thirteen back to Earth. Zero people. Jim came Lovell. From I think he's pretty smart. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? I can't even name anybody from Tennessee who was all that smart. But we had Elvis. So anyway, we we it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter who your parents are. Uh, I'm I'm stronger and smarter and and mentally more strong. And I think that you just probably don't need to sign up. Uh, now listen. Here we go. We got drama. There's got to be drama in these reality shows. The drama that we will have in the Space Village is not going to be about the last piece of toilet paper and who kicks who out. This is a very different drama. The drama is in the realization of where you are. That's according to Thomas Reamer, co-founder of the show. Adding that all 24 people in the village will have different reasons for applying. Ari Castle is going to want to get off this planet. That's, that's why 
He wants to be the space hero because he's smarter than everyone. And he wants to get far away from us southern rubes here in the state of Georgia with our restrictive voting laws and our barefoot ways, sleeping under a tree with the straw in our mouth. You are so bigoted. Ari Castle, let's launch you into space. Coming up, more news today, some breaking news. Joe Biden, executive order on guns tomorrow, question mark? Guns, guns, guns. This just in, breaking news. Looks like President Joe Biden will announce executive action on guns. Now, some weeks ago, when we listened on this program on Tony Katz Today with Nation of Jake filling in, we expected to hear a lot more about guns in Joe Biden's press conference, the first press conference of his administration. I thought we were going to, because it was in the, in the wake of some mass shootings uh, that went on. Uh, the, the mass shooting in Atlanta, there was one in Colorado, I believe there was one yesterday. And and was it a naval base? Some sort of military base. There was an active shooter situation. So this is a little bit delayed, but Joe Biden plans to announce new executive actions on guns on Thursday. This is according to a person familiar with the plans. Fulfilling a commitment he made in the aftermath of two deadly shootings last month. Biden has been considering requiring background checks on so-called ghost guns along with other measures that would strengthen existing gun laws. The extent of Thursday's announcement, which was first reported by Politico, wasn't immediately clear. Uh, The White House did not elaborate. I guess we're going to have to wait till tomorrow to see exactly what Joe Biden plans to do. Uh, You know, I guess this will also have to stand up to constitutional muster. Uh, I don't like the executive order, and it's... It gets silly sometimes. You know, every president talks about how much they hate executive orders and they turn around and they want to do everything by executive order because apparently going through Congress to get laws passed has become too hard, too much gridlock. Uh, there's there, Things don't get done efficiently or effectively. So president gets out there and just with the stroke of a pen, will just sign an executive order governed by executive fiat Uh, biden said last month following a mass shooting in colorado i don't need to wait another minute let alone an hour to take common sense steps that will save lives in the future that's a that's a that's a big statement and you know look a noble statement you want to save lives i guess when you dig into it though the problem is the solution is always let's take away guns or restrict guns of the people who didn't do it. There was a mass shooting and it was awful. And I can say in no uncertain terms, yes, mass shootings are awful. They are scary. They are despicable. They are atrocious. But I'm not so sure that restricting access to guns is is going to be the the solution to these Overall, I mean, they're 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 happening more. We're hearing about them more, at least. But they 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 make up very small amount of gun crime. And I know that's not comforting to people who are victims of mass shootings. But when you look at it, these things happen in a lot of the same places. The the gun free zones, 
schools, the soft targets, so to speak. So just the idea of a president signing an executive order to say, the people who didn't do it, law-abiding gun owners, it's going to be harder for you to protect yourself and your family because of, of people who show a blatant disregard for laws, whether they're passed through Congress or by executive order. It's a circular argument, and it rarely goes anywhere. And a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And everybody's got their meme and their little one-liner about how guns are good and guns are bad. And everybody is going to be on the same side of this no matter what. That's, That's how effective the gun control argument is. So... Instead of doing that, instead of pointing out that criminals don't follow the law, so gun-free zones are useless, and that criminals will have guns, and you'll end up disarming law-abiding citizens, all those logical things, let's throw them out the window for a second, and let's just talk about the idea of signing an executive order on guns. The right to bear arms is codified in the Constitution, the Second Amendment. All right, the Supreme Court has ruled on this. You have the right to bear arms. And I know some of you might be saying, oh, it was set up for a militia. And no, it's only only if you're a part of a militia and times have changed. And we've got a a standing army and we've got uh, police. And so people aren't aren't part of the militia. Well, that's that's not I I don't. My my reading of the Second Amendment is, is not that. Uh, My reading of the Second Amendment is pretty much because uh, a well-regulated militia is necessary and that pretty much the country's going to have an army that's going to have guns. So we, we have to be armed to defend ourselves, but because the state has guns, the right of the people to carry guns shall not be infringed. Because you're talking about guys who just had to take up arms against an oppressive government, they're saying, well, look, it's necessary for the militia, the well-regulated militia to have guns. Therefore, it also must be the right of the people to bear arms to protect themselves. Yes, from the well-regulated militia, if if things were to go south. That, that's my reading of it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty clear to me that shall not be infringed is is there enshrined in that Second Amendment. So it'll be very hard for not just Joe Biden, but any president to govern on guns by executive action. You know, he's he said he would do something, and I guess the uh, stroke of the pen is going to make people feel better, but it's going to get it's going to get challenged, and it should. Now, I, the other thing here that he says about. Um, Requiring background checks for ghost guns. I, I think the whole point of a ghost gun is that you can't trace it. That you're buying parts of guns or materials to to fabricate your own guns. That's what a ghost gun is. How do you run a background check on somebody for a ghost gun? I mean, if, if, if there's kits being sold, then maybe you could you could do that. But with the technology... I mean, you're just going to, you're going to be behind the eight ball. You're going to, you're going up against people who, if they want guns and do crime with it and are willing to build their own, they're going to do that with whatever they've got. And now, I mean, listen, I'm in my basement right now. 
I've got a radio studio. I've got a recording set up. I've got my guitars and I've got my wood shop and I've got my spray paint. And I've also got a 3D printer. I, I only paid like 175 bucks for this thing. And I'm not making guns down here. I'm just making goofy stuff like uh, props and Iron Man helmets and, and, and little knickknacks and action figures for my kids. But there are machines, 3D printing machines now that you can print composites. You can print aluminum. You can make whatever you want. You can get on a 3D modeling software or website in any shape, any configuration you want. You can, you can make a gun. How are you going to background check for that if I made it down here? Sure, I can, I can buy parts of guns. I can buy pieces of metal. I can buy the components. How Are you going to stop me? I mean, but you call it a ghost gun. Sure. Does that make a, a truck full of fertilizer a ghost bomb? What are you going to do? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can. That's not practical. That's not a, a pragmatic way to. Uh, none, none of this is pragmatic. It's largely symbolic. Joe, Joe Biden said he was going to do something about guns. So he's going to sign an EO restricting guns or requiring background checks. And the other thing that, that kind of gets lost, most mass shootings, when you, when you do the, the postmortem, when you look at it, you know, what would have prevented this? It's, it's almost always no law that has been proposed. It's, it's, it's almost always that a law that's on the books failed. Somebody failed a background check was not done properly. Uh, a federal agency in a state agency or multiple federal agencies or multiple state agencies did not speak to one another about uh, about who could have a gun and who couldn't. It's usually of uh, a human error. It's it's rarely because our laws aren't strong enough. So uh, good good luck on ending mass shootings. I would like to see them end. I would I'd never like to read about these things ever. They're horrific. They're atrocious. They're not tragic. They're tr- they're atrocious. And and the people involved should be held to account. Uh, there there need to be more stress on uh, things like uh, mental health and more avenues for people to uh, report things that they see or they suspect and action to be taken. Uh, whether it's uh, these these red flag laws, which which aren't always the answer, but sometimes could be. You know, in a very narrowly tailored situation. Um, but usually it's because somebody didn't say something, somebody didn't reach out, uh, or somebody didn't do their job is why we have these mass shootings. And by the way, you know, they they always want to talk about assault weapons. You know, the AR-15 is the big scary black weapon that you can put the scope on and you can put the bayonet on and you can make real scary but handguns are the ones that kill the most people. It's handguns that are, are more deadly, but it's never, it's never the handguns that are in the, that are in the, the crosshair, so to speak. It's always the, the assault rifle. It's, it's, it's all, it's all optics is what it is. All these, and people don't know the difference between semi-automatic and automatic weapons, automatic weapons, very difficult to get semi-automatic weapons, or is the only way, I mean, other than, you know, sh- shotguns are not semi-automatic, but handguns are largely, most of them are. 
Uh, but, but people don't think of you know, handguns. That's our personal protection. AR-15 is for, well, it's a, it, it's, they're both semi-automatic. But people think that's, that's a, that's, an, that's a machine gun. And you can't get a machine gun unless you are cleared by multiple federal agencies. So anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll see what Joe Biden uh, attempts to do by executive order. But I, I don't think that is going to stand but it's something that he, he has to do from a symbolic perspective. We, we, we may uh, find out more as we go. We, we certainly will find out more tomorrow. And you will be apprised of the situation uh, here on Tony Cast today tomorrow. I have no doubt. All right. Coming up, you know, while we're talking about Joe Biden, and he's, he's trying to do things out here and make stuff happen. Um, in his, this is first term, maybe only term. Uh, let's get back into it. With, you know, the, the power and influence of the president, you know, what things things the president should say and shouldn't say uh, based on the last administration and on now the Biden administration, uh, especially with the rhetoric. You know, he's, he's talking about, hey, we need to calm down here and work together. But then again, he is uh, spewing some of the most inflammatory stuff, calling people in the South stupid Neanderthals and calling them racist because they just want to clean up the election laws around here. We'll do that next with Nation of Jake right here on Tony Katz today. People down in Georgia need to get smarter. According to President Biden, Governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, he's got to cut out this Neanderthal thinking down there in Texas, a red state where they dropped the mask mandate. Joe Biden says, no, 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 you're a Neanderthal. You guys in Georgia need to get smarter, implying that uh, folks down in Georgia are stupid and cannot run their own state the way they see fit. That's right, because Joe Biden... Old Grandpa Joe, Uncle Joe, call him whatever you want. Uh, he's super duper smart. He is known for his intellect. He is he is known as the guy who knows what's best for you. That's the attitude in Washington all over the place. And he's a product of that. He's he's one of the the founding fathers of the uh, paternalistic government that we we live under now, cradle to grave. And now he just wants to dictate things. Uh, as we just covered here on Tony Katz today with Nation of Jake in for Tony uh, this Wednesday, Joe Biden, by executive order, that's what he wants to do is is save you from yourself. You know, you guys out there, you this the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, you can't handle yourselves. So by executive order, without your input through your elected officials in this republic in which we live, I'm just going to by the stroke of a pen. I'm just going to make the rules. That's, that's unfortunately not the way it works. It's not the way it works at all. And presidents should not govern that way. Uh, again, like if you go through all the executive orders that have been uh, signed, some of them are perfectly fine. Some of them are usually um, when a Congress passes a law but it doesn't go into effect until a certain date, the president can kind of bridge the gap with an executive order. It's more of a, a formality. Like, oh, this is something we all agree on, but because it can't take effect until this date, I'm just going to go ahead and put it in effect now. But it reflects the will of the people, of everyone. Not so much with the executive orders 
that Joe Biden has signed in his first uh, two, three months on the job. Hell, within the first couple weeks, the guy just went nuts with the executive orders. And Trump before him did the same kind of stuff. And he's the one who decried it when President Obama did it. And President Obama decried when George W. Bush did it, but he himself did it. And so on and so forth. Uh, Governing is difficult. But you'll notice or you'll you'll find that when you do govern, at least in my mind, when I've, you know, everybody puts themselves in these situations, uh, there's something to the old adage, uh, the government which governs least governs best. That's especially true at the federal level. We live in a very wide and diverse country. It's, it's huge. It's populous. And we have our different social norms and mores and ways of life throughout the country. And, and you want to do the one-size-fits-all executive order, one guy dictating to each and every state with all these different ways of life, how to live and what to do, who can have guns, who can't, that's, that's not right. So when you, when you look at this kind of stuff, you know, you may be somebody who, who hates gun violence. Everybody hates gun violence. I think largely we all want the same things. We, we want people to be free to live their lives as they see fit. How we get there and how people should live, it's, it's, it's a different story. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, more freedom is always better than less freedom. I, I think that, you know, when you look at a situation, you know, how, how could uh, more freedom have, have fixed this? Rather than, you know, what laws could we have enacted? Because I, I think that the more more laws and executive orders you pass, they all, they all start to step on each other and you get these unintended consequences. Our history is littered with bad things, well-intentioned legislation or ordinances that had the opposite effect. It's, it's all throughout history. You can, you can throw a dart at any year and you can find all of these things. So, I think that backing off a little bit, you know, letting states, especially empowering governors and states to figure out, okay, what's not going right? How can we fix it? And then when you get together in Congress, these guys can share ideas. So it should be managing up to the federal government, not dictating down. Coming up, I Jeopardy has been trying out host. The latest is Aaron Rodgers. I thought he did a good job. I know he walks on water for a lot of people. Who else? could assume the mantle and fill the shoes of the great Alex Trebek. That's next here on Tony Katz Today. Ari, we're running out of time. Where's Zack Snyder? Where's Tiger Woods? Working Where are these on it. star-studded guests you were supposed to book for me? I'm, I'm on it. He's all over it, ladies and gentlemen. Ari Castle, he is the producer of Tony Katz Today. I'm Nation of Jake my name's Jake. I go by Nation of Jake on the Twitter, at Nation of Jake. Now, the reason I've been uh, tasking Ari Castle with these tall orders of uh, getting Zack Snyder, the director of Justice League, and also Tiger Woods on the air, is because you were often asked to pull off 
the seemingly impossible by your main man, Tony Katz. Is that right, Ari? It's not often. So a little behind the curtain here in Tony Katz, when we want a guest on the show, Tony will text me or email me and say, hey, uh, Ted Cruz is talking about the border. See if he's available to come on the show, which, you know, he's, well, been, sure. on, he's, we, we've, he's been on before. We know how to get a hold of him. Right, yeah. And it, most times it's no problem. But sometimes, every now and then, I'll get a text, uh, see if Matthew McConaughey can come on the show on Friday. Right, and I, right, and I'm right. just like... How, how am I supposed to get a hold of Matthew McConaughey <laughs> in the next eighteen hours to get him on the show on Friday? Right, and so right. it's and I, you know, I maybe oh, he overestimates my booking ability, but every now and then I'll get one of those, and I'll always oh, just yeah. I'll, I'll chuckle, I'll be like, all right, I'll try, but you should be you should be flattered, I, okay? Listen, I, one he, of these he believes days, in you. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to get uh, you know right? a, a, an AA lister on the show. He he believes in you, and, and earlier you told me you got a text that yes. he wanted you to get LeVar Burton <laughs> yes. on. I got a text right before the show. Uh, see if LeVar Burton is available tomorrow to talk about Jeopardy. And yeah, good old LeVar. If, that, I mean, that's that's not a totally outrageous no. ask, but you know, right before the show, I have no way of contacting LeVar Burton. So I've actually, I found his people. It's, it's, it's harder than you think to find the email for his people, but I found it. I, I sent out a flyer, so we might have LeVar Burton tomorrow. That'd be fantastic. LeVar Burton is one of those guys who is universally loved. You know, nobody has beef with LeVar Burton, and he'd be perfect, I think, for Jeopardy. You know, LeVar Burton, was, he came to prominence as the host of Reading Rainbow when I was a kid, and then he was on Star Trek The Next Generation, and he's just a, a genuinely likable guy. You know, that's what you have to have to be a successful game show host. You can't be too controversial, you know, like that's why I think that Seacrest is so good at what he does. You're not sure why why you like the guy. He doesn't necessarily do anything. He's never made anybody mad. You you kind of just watch uh, what what Seacrest does, and then when you turn off the TV, you immediately forget about him. That is a talent. That is something that a lot of people they don't even know they wish they had. You know, I I go back to you remember the film Ocean's Eleven. Great movie. One of the well, a fantastic movie. Looked like everybody's having so much fun making that movie. I bet they had so much fun. There's a scene where Linus, the character Linus, played by Matt Damon, he, he had to go in and get the, the, the vault codes from Terry Benedict, played by Andy Garcia. That's right. He had to go lift the codes off of him. And so he's being coached by Rusty, who was played by Brad Pitt. And Rusty is, is uh, briefing Linus on how to act when you go in and meet with Terry Benedict. And he says, look, you need to be funny, but don't, don't make, make him, him laugh. laugh. He needs to forget about you as soon as you're gone. That That's what a host of a game show needs to have. So with regards to Jeopardy, you know, losing Alex Trebek, and by the way, Alex Trebek had a great run. I mean, my God, the guy was the longtime host of Jeopardy. He was liked by everyone, and he was even kind of a jerk to people sometimes, you know? Uh, he, he, he was an institution, and, you know, he's 80, 80, 80 82 years old, and, and he got sick. And, man, he, he really, he went out, um, you wouldn't even know it by watching those final shows. Uh, somebody, you don't want to be the guy to follow Alex Trebek, and, and right now, they're doing a series of guest hosts. Uh, you could call maybe these tryouts. Maybe this is just a a buffer period so that the, the guy who gets the gig doesn't have to immediately follow Alex Trebek. And maybe it makes people feel like they had some sort of choice in the matter or that there was a good vetting process. 
Uh, right now, Aaron Rodgers is hosting. Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback of the uh, Green Bay Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal quarterback, one of the best to ever play the game, fierce competitor. Uh, genuinely, I, I mean, he's liked by pretty much everybody except for Bears fans or anybody in the NFC North. Like, you know, they hate him because they beat him so badly. They wish his, they wish Aaron Rodgers was on their team. Uh, that said, Aaron Rodgers has been on Celebrity Jeopardy before, and he has cleaned house. He's a really smart guy. Uh, I, I thought that he did a, a good job in, in the, the past two nights on Jeopardy. Uh, he's in his first of two weeks. So, I mean, I don't think he would be a bad choice. I think he, he has some... He has some room to grow into the role. I mean, you don't just you don't just get on Jeopardy and become the greatest host in the world. Um, th- that said, you know, getting comfortable, give him the two weeks to do it. I think that Aaron Rodgers could be good. Uh, the aforementioned LeVar Burton, I think, would be fantastic. I would love to see him get a shot. But who it can't be on Jeopardy? Because Jeopardy is such an institution, you can't have Ken Jennings on there. Now, if Ken Jennings had not gone on Twitter and been hyper-partisan and downright mean about stuff, and have all these controversial bad tweets. He he could he could do the job. He could have done it. He's doing stuff on Game Show Network. He's got some experience in that hosting role. Uh, they've also had Katie Couric on, but Katie Couric has been a little bit hyper partisan, and so you're going to shut yourself off from a lot of people. They will not watch it if they feel like they're being preached to. If there's any kind of political bias, uh, Doctor Oz. I didn't think he did a bad job, but Dr. Oz has been embroiled in controversy before. I mean, he's been he's been sued, and he's been uh, mm, he 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 rubs people the wrong way because of some of the controversy that he has been involved with. Uh, Mike Richards, I thought, did a great job. Who was the executive producer? I think, and I don't know if he was just in there because they didn't have anybody else or something fell through. But I, I think that he was probably a, a really good because you don't know anything about him. He has no history. He knows the show. He knows what needs to be done. You know, a lot of the time in Ari Castle, producer of Tony Cassidy, you know this. As a producer, you have a hard job. You know, you are, are left to put together a show and then put it in somebody else's hands so they can execute it. So you have in your mind how the show is supposed to go. And then it gets in the hands of the host and then they put their fingerprint on it and they're the talent, they're the host. And, and you listen to it, you're like, I would have done it that way. I would. Uh. But if you are somebody with a, a really strong background in production, and then you also are the one executing the show, uh, it, it's, a bit of, it's more, a more smooth operation, I think, or could be. And I'm trying to think of other people, like other game show hosts who could make that transition. You know, there's very few game show hosts who can go out and speak their minds and, and still keep their jobs, really. You know, I mean, I don't think that, I don't think Chuck Woolery could go back to work on TV. I mean, Chuck, Chuck Woolery has been super hyper-partisan on, on Twitter, his online presence. I'm not sure he wants to go back to, to host. He would love connection. Remember Chuck Woolery, two and two. Uh, Pat Sajak, he's a, he's a pretty outspoken conservative, but man, he's been on, he's been on the wheel for, for how long? I think Pat got that job. He was very young. He was real young. And then I, you know, I get to thinking, you know, the conversation about talk show hosts takes you to the, the really, the really great ones, the classic talk show hosts, like the Bob Eubankses and the Wink Martindales, the Richard Dawson's of the world. And those guys were just, they were so good at what they did as, as being just that general entertainer. You know, one guy, do you remember Ray Combs, Ari? 
No. Okay, so Ray Combs took over for Dawson on Family Feud. And, and Ray Combs, was, he was great. He was so good at it. He was, you know, but he was the guy after the guy, which is very hard to do. Richard Dawson was an institution. You know, have you ever seen The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Parts of it. Okay, Richard Dawson played the game show host of The Running Man of the of the show in the movie because he was just that bombastic. He was uh, he was a force, man. He'd kiss all the ladies on Family Feud, and he was just he he was just like the party guy. Everybody loved Richard Dawson. But then Ray Combs came in afterward, and he was very good. He was very funny. He was really sharp. Funny, funny guy. Uh, I think that he committed suicide. I think there's some, uh, some, some dark things going on with old Ray Combs. But we'll see what happens. I like the idea of Aaron Rodgers going in as the host of Jeopardy. I think that would be a really cool career move for Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? I mean, the guy's not done playing football. The guy, I wouldn't say he's at the top of his game, but he's still a really he great quarterback. He won the MVP. Oh, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. But, but look, I, I shouldn't say that only because Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl at age 43. But is he is he in his prime, Aaron Rodgers, or is he is he on the backside? His prime was better than any quarterback that's ever played in history. So I know, but that's he's not on what the I'm back, saying. He's on the Stop backside. Things. He's what on the backside, so? but he's still he's, a top well, three quarterback. That's no, all I said. No blasphemous Aaron Rodgers talk shall be had around. I know you're a Wisconsinite and you're super smart and way smarter than anybody down here in the in the South where I am in Georgia. You know we got our Neanderthal thinking. No, like people are players are playing longer, but he wants to do both. Is what I'm saying. Sure. Can he do both? He can do whatever he wants. You can't miss Jeopardy. You can't miss it. You can't do it. If he's got to practice, he's got to go to a, play a game. And by the way, what time does Jeopardy come on where you live? 7.30. 7.30. Same here. But uh, back in Tennessee, in the Memphis area, it always came on at 3.30. It was an after-school thing. So, you know, I'd come home, and I'd, I'd watch Jeopardy immediately. And then I would, like, you know, talk to relatives and stuff. They're like, oh, yeah, we're watching Jeopardy. I was like, that was four hours ago. Three hours ago. So, yeah, Jeopardy's an institution, and they need to be very careful about who they give that full-time gig. And, look, it can't be a part-time thing. Aaron Rodgers is going to have to retire from the NFL if he wants to be the Jeopardy host. Seriously, go out on top. You're the MVP. You're out there working hard. Now, that's the thing about Aaron Rodgers, though. He's never out of a game. You could be up 14, and there'd be two minutes left, and somehow you just know Aaron Rodgers is going to come back and whip you. That's how good he is. And man, Matt, what a great career that'd be. You're Aaron Rodgers. You're an NFL MVP, Super Bowl champion, and and then you get to host Jeopardy for the next whatever forty years, fantastic. I'm I'm kind of rooting for it, but I do want to see Lavar Burton uh, get his shot. So Ari, do what Tony says. Book Lavar Burton, and then text me when you do, so I can tune in and listen. And then you know you need to you know coach Tony up on on all the things we talked about, so I can have all my questions answered. I That's, will uh, keep you in the loop. Appreciate that. I really do. I pre- you know what? I got some texts yesterday about my my hate for the, the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. And it was something to the effect. I don't have it in front of me. But it was like, hey, Jake, you, you're always bagging on stuff. You're always talking about stuff and how, not, how it's not good and mm-hmm. stuff you hate. And you're a hater. Well, why don't you tell me about something you do like? And I was like, you know, I think that's a fair point. Um. Well, with regards to, you know, we always talk about the streaming stuff. We talk about shows. 
I'm going to tell you about something that I do like, that I have watched multiple times, uh, but unfortunately it has nothing to do with superheroes this time, unless unless you consider an inspirational soccer coach a superhero. And I want to I talk about that, and we'll wrap things up, and we'll get you going here on Tony Cast today.